Okay, hey, good morning, everyone. All right, uh, if you raise your hand, we'll pass out Bibles and tissues, and uh, we'll, we'll just call it good. <laughs> uh, we, we could do that, but all right, that's awesome. So guys, I don't know, give a hand again if we could. It's just so awesome. Just so good. Man, what a wonderful morning. That's so good. All right. Hey, if, uh, if anyone here is interested in baptism, we would love to hear from you. You can fill out a Connect card. You can let us know. Go to the Welcome Center after all of that, and we would love to connect with you in that if you haven't um, uh, done that before. And so we would love to connect with you. But hey, if we, I don't know how to transition other than, hey, I'm Steve. Uh, we're going to keep going. And so um, I'm Steve. If we've never met before, um, one of the pastors on staff here, I help with Give It Away, which is um, our attempt to share the story and message of Jesus to the world and to our communities. And so I'm excited that we get to continue in Luke. And so we're reading um, this book, Luke, um, as a church, and we've been in it for a little while now. And um, just, cur- just out of curiosity, um, we've had these journals. Has anybody picked up one of those journals yet? Just uh, raise a hand out of curiosity. Okay, a few of you, okay. If, you ha- if you're online and you're watching us online, maybe find a keyboard, let us know. That'd be great. But um, we, yeah, we've passed out these Luke journals or offered them to pay. Uh, for t- you could buy them. That's the words. You could buy a journal. And they're, they're Luke, and they're good. And so um, just another shameless plug for you that if you haven't done that and you want to continue to lock in on this series with us, we would love for you to do that. Grab a journal and grab somebody else and do, uh, go through Luke together with somebody, and that'd be a good thing. And so that's what we're doing. So as we do that, uh, today, we're going to be in Luke 8. And so that's where we're at right now, Luke 8. And really, the gospel, this, this book called Luke is really the gospel according to Luke, which is awesome. And so what we're reading is a gospel, which means this guy, Luke, is writing about the story and message of Jesus. And we're seeing what it looks like to practice the way of Jesus. What is the way of Jesus? What does his life and ministry and teachings actually look like? And so that's kind of what we're going through. So uh, maybe you have your journal, get that out, and some pens or whatever to, to do that. Or if you don't have a Bible, there's some underneath your seat, or you can get online and do that as well. So um, what's been going on up until now, okay? Whether you're just tuning in with us, or I know we can't get to every single part of Luke on the weekend, and so... Um, what's been going on since the last time we talked about it? Well, last week, uh, Kevin, Pastor Kevin, talked through uh, chapter 7, and so he did a big chunk of that. And then at, in between chapter 7 and what we're about to see in chapter 8 is Jesus, he gets like invited to this party. Um, he gets invited to this uh, Pharisee's house, this religious guy's house, and they have this little party. And then all of a sudden, um, somebody shows up that shouldn't be there. Um, we're, we're told in, um, in chapter, the end of chapter 7 that this, this woman um, named the sinful woman, so she was somebody who was known for her sins in the community, she just popped into this dinner party and started like uh, putting perfume all over Jesus. And so that was weird, but that's what happened. And of course, the Pharisees weren't really uh, too thrilled by that. And then that's where we get into our passage. So when we look at eight, chap, chapter 8, verse 1, when it says, after this, that's what it's saying. So after that happened, this is what happened, okay? So let's get going here in chapter 8, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Okay, so pause there. So that's what's happening in the start of chapter 8. And so I think that's really interesting because what we see is that Jesus, he's traveling 
through towns and villages now, doing what he does, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And so he's not much, he's not much preaching and uh, teaching in the synagogues. Um, a few weeks ago, um, Pastor Tony took us through one of the chapters, and Jesus was preaching in the synagogues. And what happened? They tried to throw him off a cliff. And so now he's just going through towns and villages. And so that's what he's doing. He's got the 12 with him. And it also, in a very interesting way, um, says there's also these women traveling with him as well. And so why, why does the Bible specifically say that? Oh, he's with the 12 disciples, but also some women. Okay, well, who are these women? Well, women, this one woman who was cured, or women of cured of evil spirits and diseases. So you got women that were um, like low on the social pole, right? Like people that, even normal people were like, don't go around those people. They're diseased, they're demon-possessed, things like that. And then you have people like Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who's the manager of Herod's household, who they are like up there. They're like high up officials and they're wealthy. And so you've got poor, you've got wealthy, you've got diseased and not diseased. And by the way, I just want to let you in on something fun. Maybe it's fun for you. Uh, every week, we do like a sermon feedback meeting between like whoever's preaching. We like get in a room with other ministry leaders and we um, discuss what's going to be preached that weekend. And I kid you not, uh, <laughs> this line right here took up the first 15 minutes of our meeting, okay? And that's because uh, most of us were just a bunch of dads in the room and we were just getting like all kinds of jokes out about this choose a person, okay? And so you can imagine what that is. Several of you have come up to me after service in the past services to say, what jokes do you have? And so if you want some good dad jokes, like I'll let you in on that. So, but we'll save that for afterwards, okay? And so come check out that. But what's happening here, I think it's really interesting, and I think it really goes in line with what Kevin had preached last week. One of the things that Kevin said was, the kingdom of God is for everyone. It's for all people, okay? And that seems like an easy thing to, to understand, but, but it's really true. And so what's amazing is that in a culture and in a religious um, uh, sect where, you know, women weren't really, uh, women were more like uh, project, or not project, like women were basically like seen as uh, property and things like that, which is not good. And so then you got these religious leaders who like, we don't do ministry with women. And then you see Jesus. He's like, no, like women are part of this. Women help support this ministry, both people that are rich and poor, diseased and healthy. And so the kingdom of God is for everybody. And I love that you'll see this theme continue out in Luke where the kingdom of God isn't just for um, the rich. It's not just for the wealthy. It's not just for men. It's not just for women. Um, It's for everyone. And so that's what we see here. We see this it's odd enough that these group of disciples and who they are, that they're doing ministry together, they're on mission together, and then you see everyone else. And so that's a good thing. So now, after that, they get to a place where they're like, just a large crowd is gathering by them. And so let's continue here as we see Jesus tell us a story, not just any story, but a story that is called a parable. So in verse four, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. In verse five, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, so that's what Jesus says. And so that could have been all that Jesus said to this crowd. And for most of that crowd, that's exactly all that they would have heard. That's all the message that they would have received. 
And so this reminds me of some men in my life. There's like some sage-like men in my life who there'll be times where they tell me a story or they'll like give me an analogy about something and I'm like, wow, this is really profound. And then they do the assuming question like, you know what I mean? And I just like shake my head like, yes, I know what you mean, but I'm lying. I have no idea what they're saying. And I'm like, I I know what you're saying is probably really awesome. I just need a couple hours to think about it. And I wonder if that's what happens with the crowd here. The crowd's like, Jesus is like this rabbi all of a sudden, he stops, there's a large, large crowd, and he just talks to us about agriculture and says, hey, you know what I'm saying? You got ears to hear? Let them hear. And it's like, well, no, I have no idea. In fact, we know that because the disciples, in a little bit, as we'll see, they go up to Jesus and they're like, what does that mean? And so Jesus gets to share that with us, which is really cool. But I want us to just kind of keep this line in the back of our mind here, this whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I think that's important because I think this is actually the main point of this parable, this whole idea of hearing, of listening. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. We're going to keep getting after that because this is like a classic Jesus move. This is what he does. He asks questions. He gives parables. He invites people into what's being said, and he says, I want you to hear. I'm inviting you into this thing. Okay, so next up, the disciples, they have no problem asking Jesus what is going on here. So in verse 9, it says this, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And so he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they, might, they may not understand. Which sounds like another parable, <laughs> right? And so it's kind of like, well, what's going on here? Uh, I, there is some debate here. This parable could be a couple things um, that, that Jesus is trying to explain. He's trying to explain the parable first. He does end up getting into answering what the parable is, but first he's like, let me tell you about this parable. And so what is this? Is it a strategic thing for Jesus? Again, he was like preaching in the synagogue pretty directly about the kingdom of God, and that almost got him killed. And so maybe now he's just like trying to cover that up, trying to save him for a little bit. That, that could be. Or maybe, maybe Jesus is simply using this as an invitation tool, a tool for invitation, to invite those who would want to understand to have to seek after him, to have to go go directly to Jesus, to ask him like his disciples did. To to the disciples, it seemed like it was an invitation, not a secret, but to say like, hey, do you want to know more? Come to me, come and see. And so we actually have another account. We have Matthew 13 that we can look at, and we're going to take a quick detour there because I think it's interesting. And if you just go just to the left of your Bible a little ways, Matthew 13 gives us a little bit more of a picture of this part here that Jesus kind of says about this parable. And so I'm just going to read it here. This will just be there on the screen, but if you have a Bible, follow along. So in chapter 13, verse 10, kind of repeats it, and then it goes into some more. It says that the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And so Jesus replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Check this out in verse 14. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which goes like this. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. 
For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So what's Jesus getting at? I think he's getting at that it's about our heart, it's about our attitude toward hearing the message of the kingdom of God, to hearing about what Jesus is saying. Jesus sees Isaiah's prophecy fulfilled in that through his ministry thus far, so many people, mostly the religious leaders, the ones who were supposed to get this stuff, they didn't. They closed their ears off to him and his teaching. They predecided that they would take his words and use them against Jesus. So yeah, I think Jesus is strategically using parables here to do what? To invite people, to invite you and me, the hearers, to be just that, to be hearers of the word and to say, man, if I don't understand something, what do I, where do I go? Where do I, who do I go to? Well, we go to Jesus. He is inviting us into that relationship and he wants us to take our questions to him. Okay, so let's keep going with this. Um, and I must admit that this is such a great passage to preach on because Jesus just then gives us what the parable means. So I don't have to explain it. We'll let Jesus explain it. And that's exactly what's gonna happen. So thank you, Jesus. That's cool. So in verse 11, here's what he says. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, by riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Okay, so that's a lot to consider. And this parable, like I said, is already interpreted by Jesus, so that's really cool. And so my goal for us here is to help us just fully consume, to internalize, and to reflect on the things of Jesus. And, I, and here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you and I want to ask me to try our best, at least initially, to take this, what we're going to hear, uh, for, for ourselves, take it in for ourselves and not to think about somebody else that this could relate to. Let God work in you and in me first. We might get to the other part later, okay? But let's let it work into us first. And so we're going to go through each meaning of, of the parable, and we're going to go in and highlight each one of these um, with that in mind, that we're going to let the Lord work in us first. And I think it's interesting, um, some of your Bibles say that this is a parable about the sower, and it's actually more about the soil, so um, I've seen people say this is the parable of the soil or the sower. This is all about what kind of soil we might be in, what kind of hearers we are. And so if you're like me, and hopefully you're not for many reasons, I think that's important because when I look at a passage like this, it's really easy for me in my mind to say, oh, this could be about evangelism or not evangelizing. It could be easy to be like, look, oh, okay, I get what Jesus is doing here. He's saying the good soil is good, everything else is bad. And so we should share the gospel. If the gospel is the seed, then maybe we only share the gospel with people that are ready, with people that will hear, with the people that are like, not these other people that are like distracted or um, that are like, uh, you know, going into riches and all these things. But I don't think that's the point. I think that's some bad theology, but that's sometimes how I wanna view these things. I think the point here is, these two things I'm gonna put on the screen. And this is gonna be both our reflection and our application for the rest of this uh, parable. So it's this, what kind of hearer are you? 
I, think, I really think this is the main point of this parable. What kind of hearers are we? When we hear the word, right, this next thing, when you hear the word or when you hear the gospel or when you hear from Jesus, what are you going to do about that? More than just hearing, but what are we going to do with what we are actually hearing? That's a big deal, and I think that is exactly what Jesus wants us to understand here in this passage. So, the seed being the word of God. Let's point that out for just a moment. I think it's pretty simple, but really good to know and point out. Jesus is talking specifically about what happens when people hear from Jesus, when people hear from God, when people hear his word. And we'll see in the parable that it's the same word, it's the same seed going out to each type of soil or each type of hearer. The only thing that changes is not the word, that doesn't change, but our response to the word is what changes. And so that's why it's like interesting to see what kind of hearer we are. What kind of response do we have when we hear from God, when we hear the word? Think about this. A lot of people, we, um, maybe you hear about the word of God, or maybe we study books about the Bible. And that's not all bad. We should do those things. But there is something really compelling when we hear the actual words of God. And so there's another reason to pick up the journal. There you go. So follow along with us in Luke and do that kind of stuff. But that's what it is. The seed is the word of God. And so, here's the, here's the soils laid out for us. It's the, we're going to be talking about those along the path, those on the rocky ground, the seed that fell among thorns, and the seed on good soil. And then eventually we're going to fill out the right side with what kind of hearer that might be. And there's one more thing I want to say before we um, continue. What can be really tricky about a passage like this is we could, we could focus on some different things, okay? And so, what I mean to say is that You might be looking at a passage like this because Jesus does mention being saved and falling away and things like that. And it can be really easy to focus on salvation in that whole conversation. And and I think this passage does say some things about that, but we're not going to fully get into salvation on this today. That is something where I would love for us to like, in our discipleship, in our one-on-one time, in your life group, go back to your life group and be like, let's talk about salvation. Steve said so. That'd be really fun, okay? And so I would encourage you to do that. Now, why am I saying that? Because, man, there's just a lot of ways that we can go about that. I think what we'll see, the main point is how we hear. And instead of saying, like, man, is this about the sower? Is this about, like, throwing seed? Is this about sharing the gospel? Well, sure, it's about some of those things. Does this have implications for salvation? Well, sure, it does. But I think what we'll see here is that the important part is what are we hearing? How do we respond to God's word? What are we doing about it? Okay? So, number one, verse 12, those along the path. These are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Okay, so this one sounds pretty intense and pretty dramatic at first, but it's true. This, I've seen this plenty of times happen to people in my life. See, the thing is, the Bible is consistent in saying that although Jesus' kingdom is here and now, it's not fully here. Jesus isn't coming back, hasn't come back yet. And so we're living in that tension, and while we live in that tension, we face a spiritual battle. We face Satan, who is out to hurt God by hurting his people by taking them away from truth, by taking them away from relationship with Jesus. And so what does that actually look like? Does it, does it look like there's some demon hanging around waiting to like knock a Bible out of your hand or something weird like that? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think it's a spiritual battle, like it's saying. It's a spiritual battle. And so maybe it looks more subtly like this. Maybe it's like this. Maybe you go into a building, right? Maybe a church. Maybe you walk into this building. Maybe you turn on the live stream and you hear from God. 
Maybe you hear from his word by the reading of his scriptures, or maybe you're just hearing from God in something that's being said. And maybe you're listening and you agree in that moment. You become convicted of something that God is teaching you or telling you, maybe even right now. And then some moments go by and you leave the building, you turn off the live stream, usually before the second song, and you're on your way to the next thing. And you totally forget that brief moment where God was meeting you and trying to talk with you and trying to connect with you. And so these are the people along the path. These are what we could call the forgetful hearers. And by the way, the, uh, this whole thing with the hearers, I totally stole that from a church in Columbus, so I gotta give credit, okay? I didn't come up with these, I just thought they were really good, so I thought I'd use them. So, those along the path, we can call us the forgetful hearer. So, these are the people that, and this has been me too, okay? I'm not just saying these are the people, this is, I think we have all been in moments of each different type of soil and each different type of hearing. But maybe these are the people that, where they have those brief moments of realizing the truth and the power and even the validity of Jesus and his word, but we simply forget. Maybe it's accidental, maybe it's on purpose. Maybe it's because you just went back to work, you met back up with your friends, you got back to doing the things that you normally do, and it's detached from the word of God at that point, and you end up talking yourself out of what you might have heard previously before. Maybe you even think to yourself, Huh, that's weird. I actually thought that this was true. I actually considered that this ancient text was real and this invisible God was talking to me. But you had that very real moment where God was meeting with you and inviting you into that relationship. But for whatever reason, you forgot or you chose to forget about that. You just go on back to the normal things that you do. So, question for us Are we the forgetful here? Have there been times where we were the forgetful here? Have you forgotten something that God wants? try to speak into you. What is that thing? Maybe we need to ask God, what was that thing? What are you doing in my life? Next, Jesus goes on in verse 13 to talk about the rocky ground. So, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So Jesus, he has asked questions like this before. He's asked questions like, what are you looking for? Who do you say that I am? And I think in this conversation, these are good questions to ask ourselves, good questions to internalize and reflect as we're trying to see what kind of hearer we are. What are you looking for? What are you looking for in this church? Why do you come here? What are you looking for in a life group? Why do you go? What are you looking for when you open up the scriptures? And who do you think or say that God or Jesus really is? And for many of us, if we're honest, and unfortunately, we have heard or been told about a story and a person that once we say the magic words, we'll be able to change our relationship status, our financial situation, our health, and so on. What many of us are looking for, honestly, is a quick way out of a desperate situation, a person to mitigate our loneliness, a place to just socialize, and ultimately a genie that makes all of our wishes come true. And that is not the way of Jesus. It's not. And that's something that is hard to hear, but we need to hear that that is not how he operates. That's a superficial way or level of seeing Jesus. And so what is this? This is the superficial here. So those on the rocky ground, superficial here. To the point of the analogy, this is where the seed has uh, grown a bit, okay? There's like a thin layer of soil, and so the seed was planted, it grew a bit, but underneath that thin layer of soil is a bed of rock, okay? It's, it's a huge bed of rock where nothing can grow underneath it. 
And so where no plant can further take root, continue to grow, something stops it. A hard thing prevents it from growing. And I've been this here before. Maybe you have too. I've been overjoyed with hearing the story of Jesus, the story and message of Jesus. I've been enjoyed by that and thought that this relationship, this religious experience or engagement would maybe get me out of debt, would make life easy, and why not? Set up my and secure my future and my job. And then you realize that Jesus isn't interested in eliminating your debt. He's interested in the greed in your heart. He's interested in taking you out of the identity that you're putting in the things that you have or don't have. And you realize that Jesus isn't interested in making sure you have a safe and secure future. He's interested in forming you into the image of God through your hardships, through your failures that we all will no doubt experience in this life, whether you follow Jesus or not. Jesus legit loves you, though. He really wants so much more for you than superficial things that, if I'm honest, I often think I need or want so badly. Maybe you once believed and were overjoyed in Jesus, but something happened, something tragic that you think God was supposed to shield you or protect you or your loved one from, but he didn't. And so the thing that you thought was supposed to work in your life stopped working. It doesn't work. The thing is, as followers of Jesus, um, we don't follow Jesus because there's good morals to follow, because this lifestyle works and the morals that we obtain work. A lot of times it doesn't work in the senses that we would like it to. We follow him because he's the creator. He's the loving creator who brought us to life with his breath. He doesn't demand our love in return and still gives grace to those who choose to hate him and those that choose to love him. We follow him because he is love. He is truth. He is the one and only one who could have died for us in our sins, who rose again and gives us a life of following him in connection with God. That's why we follow him. And so, have we been hearing and receiving the word superficially? It's a good question to ask myself, to ask ourselves. Are we the superficial here? Have the hard things of life taken away your joy for the Lord? And instead of leaning into him, do we blame him for the things that have happened, for the hard things that have happened? Next, I'm glad that Jesus just keeps going because it's like sometimes it's kind of depressing. You're like, what's going on here? So verse 14, he says, then the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. So unfortunately, um, I haven't done much agriculture in my life, though um, my wife and I, we would love to uh, have a garden sometime um, when we're not living in Akron, but we'll figure that out. But um, I don't think I need to experience that to understand that thorns are not good for a plant's growth, right? And so they eventually overrun, they destroy, and they consume the life out of the good thing growing. And that is exactly the image that Jesus is giving us here, and that is why we'll call this the distracted hearer. So the seed that fell among the thorns is the distracted here. So life's worries, riches, pleasures, these distracting things, which by the way, when you say riches and pleasures, those things sound pretty nice, right? It's like just saying them out loud. I'm like, shouldn't we want some of those things? Aren't those things good and desirable? Well, yeah, in moderation, right? I would hope that you care um, about life's worries, that you'll like, um, you know, engage those conversations, figure out the things of life and engage those things. I, I would hope that in some ways that we would use our riches for good. And so there's a lot of not-for-profits that wouldn't exist without the generosity of people. And so that's a good thing. 
God himself has created specific pleasures for us to enjoy, and we can stop our imagination there and just agree to that truth, right? The problem is, though, the problem is when these things distract us or choke us away from, choke the life that Jesus wants for us away from us. They're distracting. The problem is when these things overrun, destroy, consume the life out of us. So what's choking the life out of you? What's choking the way of Jesus out of your life? Is it your career? Is your career doing that to you? Are you finding yourself convincing yourself that if you just paused on practicing the way of Jesus, just for a season, just till I get the salary, just till I get the job, just till like whatever it is, then after that I'll go back to following Jesus. I just gotta do that for a season. Is your family suffering because of these things? Is your marriage unstable? Is your generosity non-existent because we had to have the house in that neighborhood, we had to have the car with that payment, we had to buy the clothes with that brand. These are just superficial things. They can be, but man, these are the things, the riches, the worries of life, the pleasures that so often distract me and probably you as well. I wish I could say that I've never been this type of soil or this type of here, um, this distracted here, or never again will be the distracted here. But man, there is so much to be distracted by. There really is. There's so many cool things, fun things out there that are probably okay in moderation, but honestly... The more you engage those things, they de-root you from the Lord in a lot of ways. So we've got to pay attention. What are those things that are consuming us? What are those things that are distracting us, taking away from the way that we know that the Lord wants us to follow him? Uh, quick quote. Um, I didn't share this yesterday. I just thought about it again today. But this guy who's discipling me, he's like one of those sage-like men, by the way. But he's awesome. And he had this really sweet prayer for me. We were, we were talking through um, this sermon, actually, and we were talking through some other life things. And, man, I love what he said here. He said, Lord, don't let the events of the day consume my life. Let my life consume the events of my day. I just love that. That is a helpful thing to not be distracted by. In fact, me and my wife, literally, in the last three days, we've used that for each other. Because we've been distracted, we've been consumed by the things of our day instead of the other way around. So he said, Lord, don't let the events of the day consume my life. Let my life consume the events of my day. Are you following after Jesus? Is it being consumed by something else? That faith that you once had, that devotion to him that you once had, is it being consumed? Are we the distracted here? Think of it this way. Have you ever looked and said, man, I wish I could just pray like that person? If only I knew the scriptures like that person. Wow, that person reads every day the scriptures. Maybe you aspire to those things. Don't just aspire to them. You don't have to stay distracted. Go do those things. Go be part of those things. Maybe you need to sit there and literally ask, Lord, what is distracting me? Why do I aspire to these things but not follow through on them? If I know that it's good for my life and growing in my faith, what's overrunning our life? And then lastly, Jesus says, but there is some good soil. So the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, they retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Okay, so maybe at this point, we've already kind of identified which type of hero we are, which kind of soil we're in right now. And the thing is that, and I mentioned this earlier, we probably all go through cycles of being different types of hearers. I can think of times where I've gone through different types of hearers. Does that mean that I'm not saved? I don't think that means that. I just think it means that I get distracted, that I get forgetful in all of these things. 
And so it's okay if you're in a soil that's not the good soil. You don't have to stay there. You can get out of that. Jesus gives us a way. He says that his way is easy, it's light. We can follow after him. We can become what the good soil produces, and that is the responsive hearer. We can be that. We don't just stay in any of these. We can become the responsive hearer. I mean, think of this. Think of uh, Jesus' brother, James. He was not at all a responsive hearer, okay? Turns out it's hard to believe that your brother is God, okay? But he comes to that conclusion. <laughs> Jesus dies. Fast forward a bit. James believes it. He even writes a book called James, and in there, I think we see the heart of this good soil. We see James become a responsive hearer. In James chapter 1, verse 22, he says this, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What's he saying there? He's saying a responsive hearer is one who doesn't just hear, doesn't just hear the word, doesn't just hear from God. We do something about it as well, lest we deceive ourselves. Lest we look at this thing and be like, oh man, yeah, I read, and that was cool, close the Bible, nothing changes in your life. You forget what God has been trying to teach you through the pages you just read, being hearers and doers. So Jesus says that these kind of hearers, you, you have a noble and good heart. Well, how do you get that? How do you get that noble and good heart? Well, you get it from Jesus transforming you. How does he transform you? You, you literally hear the word. You retain it. And you do whatever you can despite the hardships that might come from it to follow through and do what God has taught you to do. It's almost that simple. You put, you put the word you hear into practice. Well, how do I do that? Well, uh, you know, if you are reading the Luke journals, maybe ask yourself, what are we doing with this? Not just maybe you're going to meet with somebody this week in the morning or whatever. You're reading Luke and you're like, that's weird. I understand that. And that might happen. That's okay. You'll figure it out together. You read don't just close the Bible and say, man, that was great. That was a good read. But maybe ask yourselves, wow, what do we do with this? We just saw Jesus do this thing or that thing. This is the way of Jesus. How, what does that mean for me and for my life? What am I going to do about that? So I would encourage you to ask that question. And I think this next statement goes both for people that are following Jesus or not following Jesus. I know not everybody in this room is, or online is following after Jesus, but I would love for both people to ask ourselves, is the Spirit speaking to you? Maybe now, maybe before. Has the Spirit spoke to you before? Is He showing something to you now? Is He revealing something to you? Or has He revealed something to you that you've forgotten? Are you hearing? Are you listening? And not just hearing, but are you acting? Are you ready to act on whatever that is that God has been trying to or is trying to show you now? What are those things? I have no idea. Those are your things. I know the things that God is talking to me about that show, he's showing me as I read his word, as I study it in community with others. And that's something to work out. That's something to be honest by and say, Lord, what are you showing me? I want to hear. Show me how to do something with that. I'll invite the van up, and uh, I do want to get into a little bit more of Luke 8, because I think there's some interesting things that he continues to do. Maybe this is a reading tip for you, too, if you're reading Luke, but Right after this passage in verse 16, it almost seems like Luke is like, okay, we're, we're done with that thing. He did a parable. Now let's talk about this. Let's talk about lamps, okay? So you're like, whoa, agriculture and now lamps. So sometimes when you read the Bible, you're like, what's going on here? But what I love is the next couple paragraphs, though weird they are, and we don't have time to fully get into them, I think we'll see the same, um, like the same theme going through where Jesus, again, is saying like, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. 
So in verse 16, it picks up and says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. And verse 18 says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Jesus again is saying, be careful about how you listen. Do you have ears to hear? Are you, are you hearing? Listen, be careful how you listen. Listen up. And then in verse 19, he goes on to say, now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, hey, Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replies, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Man, that's interesting. Same theme is happening. Those who have ears to hear, can you hear me? Are you listening? Consider carefully how you listen to the word and what you do with it. And he's saying, those that are close to me, those that want to be part of my family, those who love me are the ones who not just hear God's word, but they put it into practice. Uh, quick story. My, my son, Emery, he's eight years old. He just turned eight this, this month. And uh, I, I asked him if I could share, yeah, I asked him if I could share the story, and he, he laughed about it and said, it's cool. So we're good. But um, we, we had our quiet time the other day, okay? So our kids, they don't nap anymore. So we say, hey, you got to get away for an hour and do quiet stuff, okay? And so we do quiet time. And so I'm doing my own quiet time on the couch, and Emery is uh, in the living room ahead of me, sitting on the chair. And we get these, like, um, audio things from the, from the, uh, from the library, yeah, that's what it is. And we just let him listen to audiobooks whenever he wants. He has his own headphones. And so he's listening to the audiobook. Quiet time is closing up. And so I was like, hey, Emery. He doesn't hear me. I'm like, hey, Emery. Like, he finally looks at me, so I'm like, hey, take, take it out. So he takes one ear out, and he's just like looking at me, glossed over. And I'm like, hey, man, it's time to turn the audiobook off. We're, we're done with quiet time. And he's just like, <laughs> and goes right back to listening. And I'm like, dude, I know you heard me, <laughs> but, but you didn't listen. You didn't really hear me. And so my goodness, isn't that what we do with the word of God? That's what I do. I'm distracted so often. I, with one ear open, say, yeah, Lord, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's good. I should do that. Uh, but I got to get back to this other thing. <laughs> we do that often. Do you do that? I do that. Tim Mackey, the uh, guy who does the Bible Project, he says this when he's talking about the Old Testament and the word Shema, which is here. He says that real listening takes effort and action. It's not just hearing. It's taking the effort and action to do something about what you are hearing. And so that's what I want to end off with. And I don't know if you need to take a picture of this or what, but again, this is our reflection and our application. What kind of hearer are you? And not just hearing, not just consuming content like on a weekend here or even reading the scriptures, but when you do hear the gospel, whether from the scriptures or maybe Jesus is speaking to you, what are you going to do about that? Will you really hear it? Will you really put it to practice? What kind of hearer are we? And I want to end with this as, as a way to pray and for us to pray too. I asked us to first internalize this thing. And like, don't, don't think about other people right now. Just internalize this. And hopefully you've done that. Now I want to kind of think about other people because I think there's something good here to say, man, this could be a way to help our prayer life. Are we praying for those that we know are the forgetful here, the superficial here, the distracted here? Maybe that's you. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe that's your spouse. Maybe that's your brother. Maybe that's your coworker, your friend, whoever it might be. You might be thinking of names right now 
how can you pray that, man, Lord, I want them to become the responsive hearer? And to know that, like, yeah, what, what, what can we do? Well, we can sow some seed. We can give the gospel. We can point people to Jesus. But, man, we need to pray that Jesus would do the, only the work that he can do and bring salvation to people, to help forgetful hearers become responsive hearers, to see superficial hearers lock in and be responsive hearers, and so on. And so let's pray that now. Yeah, Lord, you're so good. God, thank you for, thank you for this parable. Thank you for explaining it, too. That's really good. And so, Lord, I just so, so, like, mind blown by the way that you love us so much that you'll say, hey, here's some different types of hearers. Where are you at? I just feel your love and presence and saying, like, we may not be responsive now, but, but we can be. We can respond to your word. We can do something about it. So I pray that that's the case for us today. Or whether it's something that was said here, or your word, or maybe you just speaking to somebody, God, would you help us to be responsive to what you're saying to us? And Lord, I'm just, there's names in my mind right now of people who are even right now are distracted, forgetful, are caught in the things, the pleasures of this world. Lord, I just pray for them. Pray that they would hear your word, Lord, and come to see you and have a relationship with you because you are so good. You love us. So Lord, as we walk away from this place, help us to remember these things. All right, what are you saying to us? What are we gonna do about it? Lord, we thank you that you are good to love us even when we are distracted. So we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.